Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. is episode 237 of The Sausage Factory. In this episode, I talk to Lucia Foos of Beauty Fun Games about their puzzle adventure game, Professor Lupo and his horrible pets. Before we talk about terrible creatures that want to eat you alive, let's talk about what else is under Kane and Rince's vast umbrella. On Mondays, we have Kane and Rince, of course. This week, it's on Prey, the 2006 game not the game was released last year. Or was it the year before? I forget. Then we have, on Wednesday, Sound of Play, where we celebrate scores of video games. Not the Metacritic scores, of course, but the musical scores. Then on Thursday, we have Playwright, where we have two people called Ryan making up games based on the ideas sent to them by their listeners. It's the most excellent. And, of course, on Fridays, we have Sausage Factory, which you're listening to right now. So, yay, go you. Now, if you want to find out more about Kane and Rince and what else we get up to and archives of previous podcasts and that kind of thing, you can. You can pop along to com, where not only you find archives, blogs, previews, features, editorials, all sorts of things, but there's also a lively forum. Yes, a forum that runs and exists in 2019. Who would have thunk it? We also have a Twitch stream. Uh, currently on Thursday nights, we play Sea of Thieves at 9pm uh, BST or GMT, depending on what time of year it is. And on Sunday evenings, 8pm British Summertime or GMT, uh, there's a variety show where we play a variety of games. Some of the games are linked to this podcast, or sometimes they're linked to Kane and Rince, or sometimes they're just randomly plucked and just given a, a bit of a showing off, so to speak, to celebrate their presence and existence. And they can be from any genre and any period. We don't really mind because we at Kane Rince don't recognise retro. Games are just games, no matter how old or young they are. Now, if you want to throw us some money, you can. That's right, and gratitude for all the content that we at Kane Rince produce, you can throw us some money by way of Patreon. You can subscribe to Patreon. And if you go to www.patreon.com, forward slash Kane and Rince, you'll find the subscription there. And if you give us at least one US dollar a month, just one, you actually gain access to a whole raft of additional content. For example, you actually get Kane and Rince one week early unedited, 
well, extended edition, I say. Slightly edited, of course, but uh, normally it's only two hours long. But if you're a subscriber to Patreon, then you actually get it one week early. Yay. Also, we have platform exclusives. The latest one we've actually recorded and released only under Patreon is for the Amiga. So if you're an Amiga fan, if you listen to that, then you have to pay up, I'm afraid, until unless you want to wait three months when it's released to the general public. But anyway, enough of that. Let's pass the show on to my past self. Take it away, past Chris. Lucia. Hi. Who are you and what do you do? Hi. Well, so my name is Lucia. Um, I'm a PR marketing manager for Beautifun Games, uh, an indie dev studio based in Barcelona, Spain. Right. Well, your English is excellent and my Spanish is non-existent, so that all works great. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Ty- you so much. Typical, typical British person. We won't go into reasons why. There's a whole historical and, you know, social issue. I'd rather not go into. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, d- my English does help a lot to get to get jobs around here. As yeah. Well. Oh, good, good. Yeah. Anyway, how did you make your start in the video game industry? Then, what? Uh, how did you make your? You know, what, how did that happen? Well, me personally, actually, yeah. I just I just started here. Um, so All I started right. working. Yeah, I just started working on Beautifun Games uh, last March, just before GDC. And I, I like I got hired. I think it was on Tuesday, and on Friday we were flying to San Francisco to to go to GDC. <laughs> so it was quite rushed. Um, I've been loving the experience so far. I think it's a great industry. I've been working on social media marketing and and communication and PR in general for several years now, but in different industries. And then when I got this job opportunity, I I jumped right in because I really. Well, I've been playing video games all my life, and I really like the indie game industry in particular. I think, you know, it's a lot of creative people who work really hard. You know, there's like a follow your dreams sort of um, feeling around the community. And you have these amazing success stories of, you know, maybe two developers who worked uh, very, very hard on their game, and it was a worldwide success and stuff like that. I really enjoy the community in general so yeah that's how i started i'm just i'm a noob i'm a complete noob how have you found the you know you've been a consumer of video games for many years but how have you found being on the other side what's what's when your immediate sort of struck you like oh that's that's didn't see that coming yeah, well, uh, I really, like I said, I really like it. I, I, I've never been involved in, in the community aspect of it. Like, and I think that it's quite amazing. There's a lot of organizations that, you know, uh, I, I love going to events and meeting other devs and, you know, this sense of com- com- camaraderie. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that, that feeling of like, you know, we're all in the same on the same boat together we're all trying to to strive and it, there's not like i don't feel there's even though there is a competition because you know at the end of the game you're competing for the attention of of a customer of a client of a video game player at the end of the day it doesn't feel that way for me it's like everybody just wants everybody's game to do well you know um and uh, it's not like oh, I'm gonna step on your head so I can I can look high I can look taller. You know I, I feel the complete opposite. I think there's like a beautiful community of people working together and uh, collaborating, and I really really like that. 
it is a very collaborative environment, isn't it? Um, and that's that's quite quite interesting how the video game industry is, is relatively unique in that regard. For the most part, people are trying to look out for each other, even though, you know, actually, it boils down to it, they are technically competitors to each other, because they're actually fighting for the same coin, and the same space, and the same kind of thing, but um, it doesn't really work that way. People don't see it that way, at least. They just understand the, it's a creative endeavour, which is very difficult, and they just want to help each other out. Is that right? Yeah. 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 That's what I really like about it. And I think that, you know, uh, you never know who you're going to be working with in a couple of years. Also, you know, maybe you meet someone and you're working on different studios and then who knows, maybe tomorrow you'll be working together in, in a new project as well. So it's always great to, you know, build strong um, relationships and positive relationships and support one another. I take care of social media accounts on <clears throat> on our on our studio and I love just I retweet a lot of other indie devs specifically Spanish devs and and Barcelona based uh, devs I love to you know it's really it's not that much of a hard effort you know it's just a retweet but I think it's you know it's important to support one another yeah 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 it's a very small industry as well um, relatively speaking and uh, don't burn those bridges Although people, yeah. still, people still do, sadly, but uh, sometimes it's unavoidable. Um, but uh, it's best not to. Okay, well, that's that's a really good um, exploration about how you made your start. It's like, oh, now, fantastic! And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fresh out of the pond, so I'm. <laughs> yeah. Any recommendations are welcome. You know, I also feel like I'm discovering a whole a, a world of games that I've never played before, and it's really, really fun. So yeah, well, I, I, I would recommend listening to our back catalogue of. Uh, of shows because you'll, you'll probably be like, oh, that's a good one. Like uh, yeah. our last episode, which is yet to air at the time of recording, is uh, Hell is Other Demons, which is a great, great video game made by one man in Sweden. Oh, just one man? Amazing. Yeah, it's, it's just stunning. One of yeah. the best games I've ever played. I played at PAX East and I was really, really excited. And I had to have him on the show. And it, and it happened. Because how it works is you put your hand up and go, would you like to come on the show? And uh, if you don't ask, you don't get that's how it works. So, next question. Now, I'm asking this for you to speak on behalf of Beauty Fun Games. As creators of things, yes. what do you believe is your, your the studio's biggest influence? The studio's biggest influence? Hmm, that's a good question. I would say that we, we strive to tell stories. I think that's our main goal. If you look at our... So, our latest video game is our third video game. And if you look at any of our three video games, you will see there's a, a strong focus on the narrative and uh, strive to tell stories in a different way. Um, so I would say, yeah, any storyteller who who enjoys to kind of look for tools outside of the toolbox in a way, um, yeah, I would say it goes something like that. Well, there's uh, this very laudable goal. That really is. It's just to, the the desire to share stories with others in a weird way. Yeah. In a, <laughs> because, you know, the thing about video games that I really like is that it's... Uh, so the player is not a passive. It's not like you're watching a TV show or or a movie and you just watch, you know. In your video game, you have to make decisions. You have to point and click. You have to, uh, and, you know, you have to shoot. You have to run. 
and um, and in that way the the player gets more involved in the story, and I think that's in the at the end what we strive for the most. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's it, and it really does show in Professor Lupo and his horrible pets, which is what you're here to talk about, but not yet. The, keep your, keep your powder dry. I know you're keen. <laughs> we, will, we will be delving into it. We just need a little bit more. There, need to find out a little bit more about you before we delve into that. But yes, narrative is king as far as beautiful games is. So that's fantastic, excellent. Thank you for doing that because I love stories. That's why I play role playing games so much. I think. Anyway, we're all just stories in the end, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so make it a good one. Yeah, yeah. So next, uh, next question, and this one. Um, Again, as a, as a fresh sort of uh, entrant to the realm of uh, video game industry, video game industry, I should say, what developer do you most admire in the industry and why? Sorry, can you say that again? Sure. So, what developer, what video game developer, do you most admire in the industry and why? Oh my! Um, on the indie game industry, doesn't or... matter. Doesn't matter. It can be anyone from Nintendo, which is a valid answer. Because <laughs> they're really good, to down to well, you know, uh, the you know the person who did papers, please. I don't mind. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna kind of cheat, I think. But um, so I recently started reading a book called Women in Gaming. Oh yes, okay. Have you heard of it? Yes. So uh, it's a uh, it's a uh, hundred women who have been working on the gaming industry since the beginning since the it starts in the seventies early seventies, and uh, I've been devouring that book. I'm already I'm currently on the nineties uh, because it's it's you know decade based. So my, my my thoughts just went straight to that book because there's so many untold stories of so many women that have been involved in so many amazing games that you know maybe you have no idea that that they existed um and i strongly recommend that book for anybody who's listening the the podcast right now because Ooh. it's it's not only about women but it's also you know the history of video games which is a very interesting history especially the early years like how people started um, creating this job, you know, it's a job that hasn't existed for quite some time, and you know the the how would you say the yeah the the the, the pioneers of the industry. I think it's fascinating. So I would say yes, anybody from the seventies who said, hey, I think it's a good idea to just you know create Pac-Man or something, um, or to launch Atari or something like that. I think that those people are completely inspiring and we wouldn't be here without them. So I'm learning a lot about the history of this industry through that book and I strongly recommend that. Yeah, I'm gonna what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna link it to you know, to just to, to find the book on Amazon. Sorry, you know, making making life worse for us all. But I'll link put an Amazon link and other people can find another means to actually get the book. But no, it's a really good tip. Thanks for that. Yeah, um, you're welcome. It's it's um we've had authors on the show before, so maybe we can get them on. I don't know. Um, but uh, no, I mean, is it like American or is it just worldwide history? Because I find that a lot of video game history books are very sort of regional focused. Because um, you know we, Europe has a different history to America and stuff. But um, but is it all just? It doesn't really matter. It's just about game, women making games. 
Oh yeah, so so you have women like have, who have been involved in video game making from any kind of perspective. You have like game designers, developers, uh, marketing designer, uh, you know, also production, all sorts of different jobs within the industry. And you also have at the same time like what was going on on on, on a bigger scale, both right. uh, both in Japan, the United States, and and Europe. Yeah. Um, and the design of the book is also very, it, it looks like a video game. It's kind of hard to explain, but I'm sure the moment you check it out, you will see, oh, I know what she was talking about. And um, yeah, it's mostly focused in the US, I have to say that. But it, it's been, I think, if I'm not mistaken, so it was, it was presented during GDC on the Women in Games 10-year anniversary party. And I'm okay. not sure, but I'm pretty sure, I mean, Women in Games is originally a UK-based organization. It is now, it's worldwide, worldwide right now, but I think it was uh, founded in the UK. Okay. And, um, and I, it has, I'm pretty sure it includes some, some, you know, people from all over the world. Excellent. And any particular developers from that book you sort of thought, you felt that they were... It rose above the rest, or you'd rather not do that. You think you know they all have equal merit. Um, well, the the author is Megan Marie. I don't know if you if you've heard of her, but I would also say, um, for instance, well, I would say Christy Marks. I think I, I have loved her for many many years, even before I knew she was involved in video in video game making. Um, she's the creator of Gem and the Holograms, which was a nineties early 90s mm, TV show, uh, animated show. It was very, very, very fun. And uh, she was the... Um, um, she, she was the creator of, like, um, what what games? Uh, well, Conquest of Longbow, The Legend of Robin Hood, Conquest of Camelot, The Search for the Grail, those kind of games. Okay. I think she's, she's, she's truly amazing, and I would strongly recommend follow, following her on Twitter as well. She's very fun, but but yeah, I mean, it has over. I think it has a hundred profiles of women. Yeah, it's a hundred professionals of play. So, boy, you have a you have a ride for yeah. that. <laughs> I would also say maybe um, uh, another one that's very very interesting is Janelle Jigways. She she had such a wonderful career, um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, there's there's so many women really. Yep, I, I couldn't yep. just pick one. That's fine. That's fine. That's great. Um, that's a fantastic answer to that question. I, I can't uh, understate that. So, you mentioned this earlier, so I'm going to bring it full circle. This is the last question of the first half. See, you made it. Yes. Next yeah. level. Yeah, I know. Ding! <laughs> um, what are you playing right now? What am I playing right now? Um, well, I, I've been waiting for the Sim 6 June expansion, which I think just came out. I'm not oh, sure if you're I a Civ player. I'm wow. a I'm a I'm a Civ I'm a hard Civ nerd. Yes, <laughs> they I'm, are. Yeah, I am. I'm that girl. You know. <laughs> no, 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 no! Don't do do that. Um, there's just four X games. They are a bane and a boon to us all, aren't they? They can you just go. I'm just gonna, you know, I'm just gonna take it up to middle ages. Be, well, you know, what could happen five hours later? 
<laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm a I'm a huge I'm a huge um, Firaxis nerd in general. I right. also really enjoy XCOM in all its um, in all its forms, in all its early from the first release to uh, you know to the latest DLC of XCOM Two. Um, I have a wonderful time, and I also yeah, and Steve Wise, I I don't know how many hundred hours. I think I'm probably over a thousand hours by now on civilization. So yeah, that's me. But wow. okay. <laughs> I do love strategy and RPGs games. Those are my my kind of thing. Nice. Well, I'm a big fan of them too. Um, my only sort of gripe with them is the mid game. You know, when you reach that point where you've you've got an engine going and everything's ticking along rather nicely, and nothing's really happening. <laughs> <laughs> and you just reach that point, like I, just, I either if I'm going to start a war, or someone's going to start it against me because I'm bored. And it's just, <laughs> and it's just, you know, it's a challenge for game designers who do forex because the best part is the very beginning, uh, and then the very end. Yeah, uh, I, I'm not sure. You know, I think it depends on which sieve you're playing and which. Well, which strategy you're going, I mean, like, which victory you're aiming for. Sometimes a specific victory, you know, thrives more in a specific time period. And um, it also depends on your your own, like, like, if you're going for a military win, it's one thing. And if you're going for a scientific win, it's another thing, you know. So you have to kind of adapt. And now I think that the designers have done a very interesting thing between the natural disasters uh now occurring <laughs> that are very 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 interesting and fun i usually just play with like full natural disasters all the way down because it's really fun to see volcanoes blow up and the and also the the whole idea of eras you know you can have a dark age you can have a golden age you can have a heroic age those sort of things also give you some buffs that are kind of interesting to keep the mid game rolling a little more uh, but I see your point. I can understand why why it would be kind of boring. But you just you can be, you can always build a wonder, you know, for that. <laughs> well, I was actually pointing. It doesn't serve the suffers from that too much. It's uh, games like Stellaris that that they've been fighting that yeah. problem ever since they released it. Right? Yeah. Mid game. What what do you do in mid game? I've, I've killed the pirates now. Now what? Yeah. Well, <laughs> you could expand another planet there. Like, yeah, I've done it already. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they, they've been fighting that ever since they released that game, and they're, they're doing better at it. But I think, um, yeah, it's 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 a it's a phenomena that uh, uh, it's not for everyone, and that's great because games, you know, the genres and games are so diverse that, uh, that to say that every game is Candy Crush is ludicrous. Or should I say every game is threes because that game's just awesome. Yeah, it is threes. You know, when people ask me what's the best mobile game before I even. Finished sentence. I got phrase, phrase. Go away now. What's the bit? Phrase. Go away. So, <laughs> you, you, there's nothing, nothing more to speak about. It's not true, of course, because you know, uh, Alto's Adventure is very good too. Anyway, enough about mobile games and, and 4x games. Two, two extremes there. <laughs> um, let's uh, move on to the second half, where we delve deep into Professor Lupo and his horrible pets. Dun, dun, dun. 
So, before we do that, we need to know what is it? So what is Professor Lupo and his horrible pets, as far as you are aware? Well, it's a, I would call it an alien-infested puzzle adventure game. <laughs> I think that's like the, the tagline that I've, I've come with that I like the most. It's an alien-infested puzzle adventure game, strongly focused on, on the narrative, like we were discussing earlier. Indeed, indeed. And uh, so let's do a little bit more description. Yes. Yeah. You know, so we, it's obviously a game. Okay, that's of course. One. Uh, it's, it's, there's puzzles involved. Okay, what kind of puzzles? We'll find out in a moment. Uh, and it's an adventure game. Well, it is because you play an intern with a strange little ball patch on top of his head. I know uh, that everybody everybody has the same comment. I think it's because our art department you have two bold, wonderful, very creative guys. Yeah. And I think they wanted to kind of, you know, feel identified with the intern. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Decided to give him this that ball cap that ball cap, a lot of yeah. people comment on. So I think it's yeah, great. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just worried, I was wondering to see like a, a, a like a tube sticking out of it, but it doesn't. It's just a <laughs> yeah, um, no. yeah, it would have been funny maybe if they did have a tube. No, that's weird. So it's a top down, kind of top down, uh, third person. You're controlling the intern indirectly by clicking on the mouse or whatever tool you're using to uh, move the um, the intern, who's your main protagonist in this yes. interesting story. Uh, which we'll talk so about we kind of have to, uh, regarding that, I think it's interesting. So we kind of have to fake the perspective. It's not a realistic perspective because no. originally it was a completely, it was it was a cenital perspective, you know, from, from upside, from, you know, up looking down, okay. like you would always see the the cap of the head, of the head, right? And we realized it wasn't working, so we have to kind of fake the perspective so that you're looking up. I mean, you're looking down. Yeah, but it's not a real perspective. Like you, you couldn't really see that in the real world. But no, I think it no. turned out really well, actually. Yeah, and um, yes, the game is uh, it's set on a space station. Yes. And if you want to talk about that, uh, if you're, you start on the Aurora, it's called the Aurora Space Station, and Professor Lupo, which is, you know, the character of the, of the title, is actually your boss. You know, it's the intern's boss. And he has been gathering this impressive collection of aliens, which he calls his horrible pets, and he wants to weaponize them because these, these aliens have this double nature that they look adorable and super cute when you you know when you're looking from afar, but when you get close to them, they become these horrendous, uh, murderous flesh, human flesh loving creepy creatures that will murder you on the spot. You know, so he wants to weaponize them, and he's kind of in the middle of an auction when yep. the Aurora Space Station gets under attack by mysterious forces. And, you know, a lot of missiles. <laughs> um, uh, missiles start raining on, on, this, on the Aurora Space Station and the aliens get loose. You know, they, they just start uh, creeping around the corners of the space station. And yeah. you have to get away to yeah. survive. Yeah, you have to go to the escape pod somehow. Yeah. At least that's your initial goal. Oh, steady. <laughs> I went there. Almost spoiler. 
But, no, no, you have to you have to find a way to get out of there because otherwise you're becoming you know your dinner for those pets. Well, eventually you do, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, it's a long game. It has a hundred levels. Yeah. Oh, doesn't it? Yeah. So we um, estimate around between twelve and fifteen hours of gameplay in total. Yeah, definitely. So let's talk about the nitty gritty. Because I've found that in order to solve most, if not all, of the puzzles, there's just a little bit, sometimes, of what I call dexterity involved. Because <laughs> most people, when they think of puzzle games, they think, oh, okay, it's just got to solve this. I mean, I mean, how hard can it... Oh, wait. Because not only does Professor Lupo and his horrible pets require you to understand how to solve the puzzle, but also in order to be able to do it. Because there's timing. Timing is very crucial. Yes. In being successful in uh, Professor Lupo and his horrible pets. Was this always the case when developing these puzzles? Yes, that was kind of the point. Um, so you, you can't you can't take your time and watch the puzzle and say, oh, okay, let me figure this out, you know, and just take a couple of minutes and watch it and then just solve it. You have to be quick on your feet. To solve it, it's very common to die many times trying to solve a puzzle. So anybody out there who who's interested in trying it out, if you die, it's okay. Don't worry, it's normal. But yeah, it, it has a quite a frantic um, pace to it, and you see a lot of people get very nervous while solving them <laughs> until they reach, you know, the uh, until they solve it and they, they reach the final the final you know, um, the final square where, where you pass the level and you see people relaxing and like, like exhaling finally when, (laughs) when they, when they finish it there, you kind of have to hold your breath while you're solving it, which I think, you know, it, it kind of sets it apart from, from relaxing puzzles. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's not relaxing. No, 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 it's not. No, it is not. This is not, (laughs) this isn't threes, everyone. No, no, it's no. not. No, no. Um, that's a negative. Sorry, it's cost us that enough. It's a different type of puzzle game. It's a puzzle game that requires dexterity in order to solve. Hey. So, the design of each creature must have been built around the abilities of the hapless intern. <laughs> Can you explain how this was done? It was actually a collaboration between our our lead artist and our game designer. Okay. So maybe uh, it wasn't so straight up. I think it was more of a, a dialogue between both of them. So maybe the artist would come up with a design and we would say, oh, that's cool. So how should that alien work? Well, maybe, you know, you know and then, or maybe the other side. Maybe the game designer would say, so, okay, so I need an alien who does this and this and that. And then the game designer would come up with I'm sorry, uh, the, the the lead designer, the graphic designer, would come up with a couple of suggestions uh, for how the alien should look. So it was more of a dialogue between both of them. And uh, I think it was quite challenging, uh, you know, this, uh, the, both the animation and the AI programming was one of the most challenging things for the game because each each alien is very different from from the rest. And they also have... Each of them have two two forms, like I said before. You know, they have the cute form and they have the horrifying form. 
So design-wise, we had to think of ways to differentiate it. Maybe when they become monsters, they go faster, for instance, you know, or they change their their behavior somehow. And uh, so it was quite challenging. There's one monster, the first one that you meet, the Vermis, which is kind of long. It looks like a worm, a long worm. Um, That one was quite challenging to both animate and design because, you know, it it, it takes a lot of space. It takes three three blocks, each one of them. So it was it was quite challenging. Um, But I think I think we made it work. Uh, It's very clear that each of them, you know, behaves completely different. Some of them are are faster. Some of them are smarter. Some of them prefer to attack an alien instead of attacking the intern. So uh, each of them have their own distinct personality and their own distinct behavior. And the idea is that the player gets to understand and manipulate their behavior on, on your own behalf, you know, on your own, to, to make it work for you. There, it, it comes a time on the game that the player stops running away from the aliens and starts using them on their favor, you know? You kind of start weaponizing like the Professor Lupo wanted um, to use them in your favor. And they become, instead of just being obstacles on the puzzle, they become key uh, parts of the puzzle in order to solve it. And I think it's very satisfying when you when you reach that point and you're like, oh, okay, I know I can handle this. I know how to handle this alien. I just have to do this and that. And then you can use it against your enemies, for instance. So uh, I think that's the most fun part. It's the time. It's that time when you say, oh, okay, I know how this works. I know how to use them in my favor. Excellent. Yeah. No, that's that's a really really good. Um, uh Sort of evolution of this. I, mean, I think it's lovely to hear that some of it is driven by the art design, and some of it is driven by the game mechanics itself. So that's that's lovely. Um, I mean, yeah. the art design ones could have gone horribly. Like, well, yeah, he can do all these things, yeah, but he can't defend himself against that. Right? <laughs> so uh, yeah, because he doesn't run. I noticed. I know. I know. Run. I know. He doesn't. He so, walks. He walks for his life. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. like I'm just going to casually stroll around. Why? Because you know, going to die so, eventually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's you know he's an intern. He's not getting paid to to rush anything really. No, exactly. He has the pace of an intern. Exactly. Even, even when it, it relates to his own, you know, his own skin, doesn't matter. I, <laughs> it's the same thing. Still intern. Yeah. Still, still has the intern ethos ringing through him. I know many people kind of suffer with that, but it's part of the puzzle. You know, you have to get used to, to his pace. Yeah, or lack of therein. Or lack of. <laughs> <laughs> so this, uh, this discussion really relates to my next question. There is a strong strain of very dark humor running through Professor Lupo and his horrible pits that, of course, provides a narrative. Is this the key incentive for players to progress? Yes, actually. So uh, we think that the story, the narrative, is kind of an award for the player, in a way. The, every time you solve a puzzle, you learn a little bit more about what's really going on, about the story, both the backstory and you know what's happening right now. You, you get to learn more about the intern's past and 
about those forces that are attacking the Aurora space station. So we think of the story as a, as yeah as a reward for the player who solves the puzzle and then finds out even more about the story. And regarding humor, yes, because it's the the game designer. He's he's a very funny person. <laughs> he's like constantly making jokes, and um, I really enjoy his sense of humor. And I'm glad that you that you enjoyed it as well. Uh, that's kind of the idea. It's always very rewarding when you see a player laughing at the humor of the game. So I hope everybody who who gets to play it feels the same way. Yeah, it's um, it's just really really quite dry and some of the things that are said this is like you know is this thing on you know, like classic sort of, yeah it's just i'm going to who's saying that or why but uh yeah it's, it's it really is um an odd story bizarre setup have you have you finished it have you played the Not whole game quite no but i've got quite far in it yeah no it's it's yeah. a long game it's yeah a- it's a long one so uh, yeah yeah i've got, got it relatively recently but uh no, it's it's, it's fabulous, sir. Really, really good stuff. Thank you. So, last question then. Uh, and I'm sort of hovering over which one to ask. One's a bit dry. Let's just go with this one. You get to manipulate environmental controls as well. Um, for example, putting gas in and you know other things. I won't go into details. But uh, how did they arrive and... How, how did they impact the design of the levels? What did they do? Oh, strongly. So we wanted to keep it... You know that thing that you said that happens to you in mid-game on strategy games that you're yeah. kind of like, oh, I'm what now? I'm kind of getting bored. We wanted to avoid that at all costs. Right, right. And to avoid that, we had to constantly start thinking about new game strategies or more like new game mechanics to keep it fresh. And the more you progress the new mechanics you find. And like I said, for instance, like you mentioned, you have the gas and, well, there's, first you only have doors and then you have the gas and then you have the flamethrowers and then you have more things. Um, Like I mentioned before, with the aliens, at first you're just running from them and then once you get to learn how they work, then you start using them on your favor as well. Um, So we wanted to keep it as fresh as we could and the 100 levels are divided into five narrative chapters of 20 levels each. And each of these chapters is characterized. It's like a book, you know. Each chapter has, like, its own focus, narrative-wise. And it also has its own focus, um, game mechanics-wise. Right. So on each, on each of these uh, chapters, you will find new mechanics to keep the game fresh and, and fun and challenging. Because... We wanted. We paid a lot of attention. We worked really hard on the on the difficulty curve. We wanted it to, you know, we wanted it to be a not a frustrating experience for the player. Sometimes puzzles can be frustrating. The same thing goes for like checkpoints, for instance. We we put a lot of checkpoints within the levels because you know it's it can be very frustrating when you're solving a puzzle and then maybe you solve the first half and die on the second half and if you had to do the, all the first half again it would be kind of like oh man already <laughs> so we, we put a lot of checkpoints so that you don't have to go through that okay and game mechanics wise we did the same thing we decided to keep it keep it fresh either with new mechanics new aliens 
um, and also advancing the story. And humble, humbly, I think we achieved it. I really, I really do. And I hope that you know when you finish the game, you you get back to me and say, hey, you were right. You know, there's like a lot of new things going on all the time. Yeah, no, it, it didn't. That, that does happen. Every every level has some quirk, unique aspect to it that you've got to get hold of. Whereas in many other puzzle games, they go, okay, these are the tools. Here's some variations on the theme of the same thing you've just done ten times previously. And like, oh. Yeah. yeah, it's just a bit, you know, it's a bit, um, it's a bit draining. Hello. So, yeah, hello. Sorry, lost you there. Um, so, um, next, uh, well, that's I, I, the last question. Sadly, um, I was going to ask you about little bonus icons you can pick up if you're really adventurous. <laughs> the collectibles. The collectibles. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, regarding those, I have a couple of things to say. First off, um, so the game is coming out on Steam and Switch. And on Steam, we were able to keep the collectibles uh, specific and also paying homage to books that we love, films that we love that have influenced the game, Mm -hmm. also music, and also other indie video games as well. Uh, these are different icons. You know, you have the you know the controller icon, you have the book icon, you have the movie icon, or those kind of things. And every time you get one, it, it will show you the name of the movie or the video game. Uh, but on Switch, we couldn't do that because Nintendo was like, mm, no, we're not really sure about that. <laughs> so we just you you just you know you get a movie or you get a book but you get a video game but you don't get like the specific but that's like a small shout out to all of our um references and all of our inspirations for the game which i think is really cute and um the collectibles itself themselves are quite actually they're quite hard to get yes and yeah we thought of them as a replayability factor yeah. Because usually on the first try, you won't be able to get them. And that's normal. I think that some players uh, can't, can't handle that. They need to get the collectible on the first try. Yeah, yeah, um, I know. But just let it go. Yeah, you just yeah. have to let it go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And, but because you will be able to get them eventually. Yeah. Because yeah. you can always come back to a previous level without losing your um, your progress. You can always go back to a previous level and you won't lose the progress. That's so right, yeah. uh, the idea is kind of like once you've learned to manipulate the aliens or you have kind of mastered the game mechanics, you can always come back to a previous level and then you will see it will be so easy for you to get those. I mean, I wouldn't say so easy, but it's like, oh man, it, it seemed impossible at first. And then once you know the mechanics, you're like, oh, okay, so I get it. So I have to go that way, and then uh, I got it, you know? So we thought of them as a replayability factor to add more challenges for the players to be able to kind of play again the game and, uh, you know, get those juicy collectibles and achievements. Yeah, so yeah, it's, 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 it's a lovely touch. I thought it was really... Thank you. Right, but it's um, definitely a new game plus. <laughs> Thank you. So, Professor Lupo and his Horrible Pets by Beautifun Games is, well, will be out, or is out, uh, on Windows PC, Mac, and Switch. Yes. There's so. currently, uh, it's not out yet. It's coming out on July 11th. So, nine, 
nine days from now. Well, so by the time this show comes out, it will be out. So there you go. Oh, okay. So we're, it's we're, out. We're recording in the past, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's out. Go get it. <laughs> Please do. Yes, it's great. And there's a. I'm pretty sure. I'm not sure if we will have to cut this or not, um, Chris. But I'm pretty sure because there's currently a demo, a free demo available, both on right. Steam and Switch. Yeah. So I'm. I'm pretty sure we will keep the demo after the game is launched. Oh, so that's people, a good idea. I, I'm not 100% sure. So maybe we will... I, I have to confirm this via email. But that, I'm yeah. 90% sure that we have a demo, a free demo available. I think it's the first eight levels of the game. Right, so you can right. try it out and, you know, see if you like it. And if you do, you're welcome to, you know, get the whole the whole game. Yeah, yeah. And face those horrible pets. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Lucia, it's been fantastic having you on the show. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Thank you, very you so much. much for having me. Yeah, I'm sure you. Uh, well, I hope you had a good time. I know I did, um, and we've got something out of it. Uh, yes, absolutely. And uh, more than welcome to come back on to tell about your next adventure, whatever that may be. <laughs> Thank you. We'll do. Okay. Bye.